off the top of your bald head, if you could name uh, 10 bald comic book characters, villains, oh. and or heroes, and we'll just see how it compares to this meager list that I've compiled. 10 bald, 10 bald comic book characters. Yes. Kingpin. Yep. Professor X. Yep. Did I say Kingpin and Professor X already? Oh, man, you're stalling. <laughs> you're stalling so hard. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Bald Talk, the podcast where two bald comedians chat with bald writers, readers, artists, gangsters, gumshoes, femme fatales, snitches, lowlifes, and really anyone bald about being bald. I am Brian Husky. I am bald as crap. Uh, I'm Charlie Sanders and I'm bald as motherfuck. Yeah. Charlie, I am very, very excited. Me too. Very, very excited. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for today's guest, whose baldness is only exceeded by his immense talent, he is a celebrated Eisner Award-winning comic book writer and cartoonist yes. who has produced work for DC Comics, Vertigo, Marvel, Dark Horse, Image, Drawn and Quarterly. His uh, uh, series, he has his own series, Criminal, Femme Fatale, and most recently, Reckless, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. He's written for Westworld, the Amazon series Too Old to Die Young, and will serve as the head writer for the new animated Batman, the Cape Crusader series. He is prolific, but not pro Please welcome <laughs> Ed Brubaker. Welcome, Ed. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, dude, so excited. So excited. Welcome to the bald revolution. Oh, the bald <laughs> uprising. No, yeah, we save time on hair care, so we can fuck shut up. <laughs> Trying to put this in the context of like your genre and what you know what's familiar to you. So for your first comic, Low Life, you illustrated that as well. Oh and, yeah, but you oh, had a way back when. Yeah, yeah, but you had a full head of hair. You had a very. Yeah, I even drew. I the main character who was loosely based on me, I drew with even better hair than I actually had at the time. I always thought I, I you know, hair was. I had wavy, kind of curlyish hair. As yeah, a yeah kid, I which, saw that in all the pictures. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, there's some pictures of me from like the '80s that turn up every now and then when I was sort of in the post-punk sort of pre-goth phase, right? Where I had, like, <laughs> really big, curly, bleached white yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Oh, wow. was that guy. That guy was a mess on a lot of drugs. <laughs> what um, drugs are we talking about? Uh, speed, you know, alcohol. Methamphetamine? Crystal wow. meth. Like yeah, like crystal meth. Yeah, like when I was a teenager in San Diego, just for a couple of years. Just, yeah, um, just, just a little Just from like 16 meth. to 18. Um, it was a big thing when I was in high school. Like everybody was like coke. I, was, I graduated high school in like the mid 80s. So Where'd like you grow coke up? and speed. Uh, I was a Navy brat, but I okay. went to I went to like junior high and high school in San Diego, and yeah. I started school in in Cuba, actually living on Gitmo. Oh wow! Um, so and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess back I in read the, that on like Wikipedia or something. When I was yeah, the, yeah. If you're an officer in the Navy or the Marines, um, usually everybody does at least one tour in Gitmo, and and uh, we were there for three years because there were military cutbacks, so they kept our family there an extra year. Mm. Um, but yeah, if you're an officer, you, your family goes with you and then the enlisted people stay somewhere else and, or are not allowed to go to like the officer neighborhoods and stuff. So it was like living in like a really, really small town and yeah. you could walk down the hill to like outdoor movie theaters, wow. which, you know, every night, you know, or I think every Friday and Saturday night, they'd just show whatever they had. It was like Kung Fu movies and stuff that, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, whatever the like, Navy whatever. had was always like. Oh, like Bruce Lee movies and, and, and like, but older weird shit, like Shaw Brothers stuff where people are doing the wire foo and stabbing each other with bamboo and stuff. If you're a Navy brat, did you guys move around a lot or was it just? Yeah, we, when I was born, my dad was uh, in Vietnam. He was in Navy intelligence, actually. He was like one of the heads of Naval intelligence in mm-hmm. the Mekong Delta area. Yeah. Um, so he was over there when I was born and we lived in Maryland and then we moved to West Virginia until he came back from um, from Vietnam, and then we moved to Cuba, and then we moved to San Diego, and then my wow. parents split up when we were in San Diego. All my friends and, who had military parents lived in San Diego at some point. Yeah, huge military base yeah. there. Yeah, 
you know, it's the, the nice thing is like once my parents split up, my dad stayed in the Navy a few more years and then retired because he'd done his 25 years. Right. And then he did like military contracting, which was all in like San Diego and stuff too. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had a couple of buddies who did that. Who's yeah, San Diego is a strangely right wing, you know, town. At least back in the 70s and 80s, it was a very like kind of right wing, you know, town compared to like L.A. or San Francisco. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. San Diego is? Or was? Yeah. It was back then. I think it's still pretty. It still is. It still is. There's non-conservative areas like Hillcrest or. Yeah, or like, yeah, for you know, sure. Yeah, yeah, it feels a little privileged. Little yeah, it's, a, it's, it's not probably. privileged. It's working class. It's I mean, there's parts of it. I mean, every city is, has that. But. Yeah. It was, it's a very, I mean, it feels very segregated city, too. It's yeah. segregated, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of neighborhoods where you'll only see, you know, white people, basically. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, when I was a kid, when we got into, like, punk rock and riding around on scooters and all this stuff, like, the <laughs> cops just fucking hated us. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember I got my scooter impounded like five different times, like by cops and like in the middle of the night and just have left to like walk home for hours. Damn. And, you know, so you're, was, a, you're a little bit of a wild child growing up. Sounds I mean, like... I was probably trouble. I wanted to be, I think I, you know, I was, I think I was self-destructive as a kid. And... I mean, yeah, I'd say like crystal meth in high school is compared to like, like I, I, I tried pot yeah. once, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh. oh, God. Yeah, well, pot back in the 80s barely did anything to you. I know. Or, yeah, yeah, now it's, like, really fucked up. I know. Now yeah, I and like, I had an older brother, and, like, when I moved to a different part of San Diego when I was in high school, and, and my brother was on the water polo team there, and so I joined the water polo team, and I was playing for, like, half a season until i actually figured out that water polo is just basically soccer in the water <laughs> like i had no idea what i was supposed to be doing ever i was yeah. like, terrible at it and then i finally figured it out i was like oh i'm okay at this but like everybody on the water polo team was like into punk rock and going to shows really and That's, and, i, I oh, would yeah. always that water polo is sort of like the same as like regular polo or i don't know like the <laughs> no. lacrosse team or something in my mind not in our school well we didn't have water polo at my school yeah, most schools, I mean, we didn't have a pool at our school, but we went to the Jewish Community Center around the corner and, and did our practices there oh, like wow. every, every morning and afternoon, like during during the season. But um, my brother had joined the team because he researched the school when we were moving there. And um, it was the only team on the school that actually always won. They had been undefeated for like 18 years in their Damn. league. Oh, wow. And uh, and so he wanted to be on like a popular, because we were moving to a new school. and We'd moved so much. It's like you're always the new kid. So he wanted to immediately be like, have a potential to be popular. Assimilate, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. I tried to follow in his footsteps and I was just like an outcast and I, bad at it. <laughs> I got to ask one question. I'm not a drug guy. It, it just oh, never no. worked for me. Nothing. I don't, even no worry, I don't even like taking Tylenol. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> oh, that high is good, though, man. If you really yeah, get in that Tylenol. sweet zone of Tylenol, oof, you feel nothing. <laughs> but when you do crystal meth, what does it feel like? I can't even really remember. Oh. Um, I haven't done it since I was a teenager. I think, well, I was a really shy kid. And for me, like any kind of uh, amphetamines would you talk a ton mm, and you don't you listen to anybody oh yeah you just talk a ton you like you feel like you're you see somebody that looks interesting and you'll just go over and you'll just start talking to them and, oh my god you know not and if they say anything back to you you're not paying attention you're just waiting for them to stop speaking so you what? can continue so, your story oh, oh yeah no it's the it, i mean coke and coke and speed are the shallowest drugs I've never of all done time. neither of them either um, yeah yeah no i mean i haven't done anything like that since the 80s i don't think uh -huh. um i think a lot of pot which you know i just feel like is kind of just a anti-anxiety medication almost uh -huh. but um but yeah i was severely shy as a kid uh -huh. so it helped me it, it you know it was part of it was like oh everybody was doing it it's cool uh -huh. you know and yeah. uh but you know i got pretty dark into it for a while and wow. that I sounds wrote, intense. i wrote some comics about it like me and some friends became sort of low-level criminals for a while so that we could support our drug habit <laughs> is is it did you yeah. I, i've never read low life is that do you sort of delve into that stuff well, yeah, or was whole, it? yeah i mean that that book's out of print and i yeah. keep it up i keep it that way because uh you know those, some of those stories don't age too well right right um, in this in this 
era now, I feel like every now and then someone will email me something and say, I heard you were a drug dealer once. I'm like, well, you got like 40 years ago. By drug dealer, you mean I scored it for me and a couple friends. Well, the statute <laughs> of, of judgment does not allow me to hire you. Yeah. So it's, uh, but yeah, I, I was, you know, I, it was just like a phase, basically. I remember when I left San Diego, all my friends were basically had moved from that to becoming heroin addicts and oh, man. People, people were overdosing and stuff and yeah i left san diego and went to san francisco where i didn't know anybody who you know was strung out on heroin or a speed freak or anything it's kind of funny. everybody's kind of everybody a funny thing to say. Hot and drank a lot yeah you know yeah i was a i think sure for a while Oh wow, that's <laughs> that's, I mean, that's like that's like being a drug addict. Yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much worse than being a drug addict. <laughs> <laughs> my, my one day of experience as a dishwasher for a restaurant. I was for like twenty uh, uh, a long time. So hard. Oh my god, that's a tough job. Yeah, that's an intense gig. I kind of liked it. You get the big sprayer. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed that. I was so bad at it that. Uh, the bus boy would come and shove me out of the way and <laughs> oh, wow. do it for like 15 minutes. You'd be like, I got it. Never mind. <laughs> like, yeah. And I remember at the end of the night, I was like a replacement for the guy who called in sick. At the end of the night, the owner was like, well, you're not good at it, but you, but you didn't quit. So, you know, you want to, you want a regular job. And I was like, Oh God, no, this is the hardest thing I've oh ever my done. God. I got oh, into, I, I worked at a restaurant. I, did, I was a bus boy, which was a nightmare. I did That's it like, such so. Gig. I did it for two years, and after that, I vowed never to do food service ever again. Your restaurant work is hard. Oof, so hard. And not into – they were doing the same thing. They were kind of going through a bunch of dishwashers. Yeah. And then they stumbled on this dude who was, like, uh, in recovery. Like, he was he was sort of like an outpatient program, and he had a lot to to invest. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. he wanted oh, – and so yeah. they were like – and then so the boss after that was like, <clears throat> I'm only hiring people who are uh, outpatient. <laughs> program because this guy is amazing Huskman, but it really was that's crazy you told that story because that happened at the restaurant i worked at oh seriously yeah i mean literally the exact same thing i've i've seen it dishwasher like a scene out of heat and then robert de niro shows up and is like hey i got a job for you and you won't be coming back here (laughs) (laughs) yeah i moved furniture for a couple of summers too and there was this dude named butch who was uh he was always talking about how he's like he, he used to uh, he was addicted to drinking and, and drugging and women and stuff and all that's gone. He puts it all into his work and stuff. And he was exhausting in his, <laughs> in his like speeches that he would give and how much intensity he would give. And sometimes he overwhelmed the, the, the clients and stuff. They're like, okay, all right, just move my furniture. <laughs> Can you just uh, do the job? Please. Um, so Ed, so you were a shy kid. And then once you start to lose your hair, did that compound the shyness or what's your origin story my bald origin story yeah well i was raised in a bald family uh my my grandmother and my dad were both bald your grandmother grandmother my my grandmother my grandmother was born in the 1890s so she was quite old when i was born she was almost 70 when i was born but wow i once walked in on the i when she was visiting i opened the bathroom door and i saw her she was about to put in her teeth and she had, and she was completely bald because she didn't have a wig on. Oh wow! And I think I screamed and ran back to my room. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, god. my dad, my dad. There's like two pictures of my dad from college. One, he's a, like a like in his sophomore year, and he's got a fucking pompadour. Yeah. And then the next year, he's fully bald. Like his oh, hair shit. just fell out. Like pompadour is like and, a floofy an elf. Yeah, yeah, like, like a David Lynch kind of. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, it was interesting because I had only known him as bald to seeing a picture with him with hair. I was like, oh, this is bizarre. Yeah. Then I always thought, well, you're supposed to, it's supposed to come from your mother's side of the family. (laughs) And my mother's dad was bald, but he was like an old man. So I had no idea when or if it, when it happened. Right. Um, My brother still has hair, but I suspect he, you know, uses things to keep it. Is he older or younger? He's, he's a couple of years older, but yeah, I, I think I started noticing in my late twenties or early thirties that my hair was thinning a bit. Mm-hmm. Like when you start to notice, see your scalp and your, you know, 
the you know how you have like stress dreams or where you're like trying to dial a, no, a phone number and you keep messing up on the last number right and then at some point those switch to like dreams where your teeth yep. are all falling out yep. and then at one point i stopped having dreams about my teeth falling out and i started having oh. dreams about going bald oh, wow. and, um, so it was like seeping into my anxiety and my dreams obviously it's a well-known fact that you can you can dream your hair away yeah, exactly. That's been proven, so. And I remember I went to a dermatologist for, uh, I can't remember, I have like various like, like uh, dermatitis y kind of mm-hmm. sensitive skin issues. And I remember the guy looked at me, I must have been like 31 or something. I remember he looked at me and he just kind of stared at my hairline. And then he reached in and he moved to move my hair around a little bit. And he's like, I can give you Propecia if you want it. Yeah. Like your hair's falling out. And I tried that for like a month and I was just like, eh, like yeah. if I go bald, I go bald. Like I didn't want to, it just seemed too weird. And, and the pharmacist girl that I got the prescription from, like made a big deal about the fact that it could cause impotency. Right. And I was like, well, you know, what's the point of having hair? <laughs> you know? And is it, this is something, I mean, maybe we do, I don't know if we asked Dr. Rome this, but it can, is the impotency it's not permanent, right? It's just while you're on the drug. I think it's just the drug. Yeah, because it started inhibitor. out as a drug. That's prostate right. Cancer. He said yeah, yeah. that. But somehow it affects you. And then people just started yeah. growing their hair back. Yeah. So at that point, I think I started basically just sort of shaving my head, like while I still had enough of a full head of hair that mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, so it would be like, okay, well, when this falls out, I thought first, I thought, well, maybe this will help me keep it longer because it'll, you know, because it'll just be shaved all the time. And right. It will, it won't be a thing but then after a year or so of that i just started letting hair grow in again and i i don't know i didn't i didn't worry about it as much as i thought i would i was more worried about like my career and stuff and i when i met my wife i still had you know a fairly full head of hair it was thinning and you know we got married and if i look at pictures from that wedding i'm like wow my hair was so thick and i remember thinking it was so thin <laughs> oh well, yeah funny. yeah totally so, you know so i i probably about five or six years into our marriage i just you know it was like there was it was you know when you see that reflection of your, or a picture of yourself where there's a light behind you and you can kind of see <laughs> mm-hmm. you yes. know the shape <laughs> of your head and i just thought you know what i'm yeah, just gonna the shame like, lighting shame yeah. Lighting. <laughs> yeah the shame yeah and i you know, when I was in high school and doing all that crazy stuff, I had a brief moment where I was the lead singer in a in a really bad punk and ska cover band. Nice. And uh, I got what kicked out for the most. Uh, we were called Lost Cause, and then it turned out there was a band in L.A. called Lost Cause, and they came down to a show that the band was playing after I had been kicked out of it. Um, for being bald? I think maybe I thought I was a better singer than I really was, and oh. but also the most popular kid in our school wanted to be the lead singer in the band. Oh, and if they, yeah. so they kicked me out for him mm. and then they got booked at like every party or, or like thing. That's very unpunk though. That's, that is very unpunk. Yeah, the, You're the, right. That's the most really popular yeah. dude in yeah. school. Yeah. We, I mean, it was a cover band, so it yeah. was, it was fun for the couple months that I was in it. But, but so I had shaved my head back then and I knew that like I had a decent shaped head. I didn't have yeah. like a, lumpy weird looking head where no dark secrets you know, i knew that if i shaved my head like when if i went bald it wasn't going to be the worst thing in the world yeah as far as you know changing my looks entirely so i just started shaving it and i went through that phase where you leave a little bit where it's like you start with the buzzer set at like half an inch because you think that's going to look good <laughs> i have done that yes i understand i recently sent a photo to an old friend who was just like catching up with me and hadn't seen the Marvel winter soldier movie. And I'm like in a scene in that movie with Robert Redford and Sebastian Stan and a couple other people. And, and I look at that now and I'm like, I was doing that thing where it was like a quarter to half an inch of hair, but I was Mm. really bald. And I'm like, uh, what was I thinking? Like I was trying to hold on to some vestige of, you know, oh, this will look good. And I look back at it now and I'm like, what was that? Come on. I, you're on film with Robert Redford. Shave your <laughs> <Shave, shave, laughs> yeah. No, I've done this so many times on TV. It's strange when you see the guys who shade, who buzz it on the side, but they, they still have enough that it kind of telegraphs that yeah. there's a bald zone. Yeah, like it stands up, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. I knew this guy. I knew this guy who did that. He used to have a. I, I imagine he used to have a flat top. You know, like a, just yeah. a total. Yeah. You know, nineteen fifties. 
but he kept the same wings on the side of where the flat top used to be. So he he looked like like a chubby Wolverine. He looked ridiculous. <laughs> Like someone from Shanahan, <laughs> exactly. Like ten years, yeah. ten years too late. Yeah, uh, that's that's really kind of an insane look, though. If you can yeah, pull it, was it off. It, it, it's fascinating to me what people. All flock of seagulls. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Only on Bald Talk. Ever heard of social media? We have, and no big deal. We are on it. Check us out on Instagram at Bald Talk Pod or on Twitter at Bald Talk Podcast. Please make sure to like, rate, and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We don't care where you get them, just get them. No judgment wherever you get them, anywhere. 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 Whatever. No judgment. <laughs> as long as you listen, we don't give a fuck. Only on Bald Talk. I want to pivot over to the comic book realm. Uh, via baldness and talk about the the trope of baldness being e- equivalent of like evil you know that uh oh, like it, it, kingpin yeah. kingpin and Lex just Luger. it feels like Lex just uh, and on tv yeah. like they'll just always i mean i guess the equivalent is sort of like a skinhead and stuff oh yeah, yeah. Um, that is that is interesting i think about that sometimes the the you know I don't know if the representation movements will ever get around to bald representation, but it's like <laughs> a huge percentage of adult men are bald, but you almost never see bald people in anything. Like unless it's Jason Statham or the rock. And I'm not even sure the rock is officially bald. I think he just shaves his head. Yeah. It's, oh, it's damn weird when he has full hair, he may be bald. Uh, I don't I think, know. I think he is a little bit like, I, like if you look at the old, his old pictures where he used to rock the fanny pack and he had a little sort of like, high top thing yeah. um it, there's a progression that it gets it seemed to kind of go back a little bit he definitely looks the top. cooler bald i mean yeah i agree is vin diesel bald or does he just shave his head i don't know he's bald. yeah, no. yeah. i mean he's shaving he's it okay. to cover it up a little bit but i think he's bald yeah but that's kind of like that's also a trope of just like the action hero with yeah the, yeah like they, they yeah, don't have yeah. time for hair you can't or there's no hair to grab in a cage match or whatever <laughs> but as a kid you never saw there were no action heroes like as a kid like i'm trying to think of the only, the first like old burt reynolds movies there's always that mean bald guy and like mm-hmm. the longest guard you know or like yeah or the prison guard yeah, like, yeah it is yeah, yeah, for like, sure. you know the mean guys are bald there's there's very rarely like in the last like 10 or 20 years you've got some sort of bald sex symbol type people but mm-hmm. but it really does feel like you you almost just never see bald people on well they're stuff. either they're yeah. either bad guys yeah. or uh weenies <laughs> yeah like yeah, lo- totally. like low like, level management dudes if there was know, like a emasculated. yeah there was the weenie guy on er and then he got his and then he got his arm cut off by the helicopter or something <laughs> well, i don't remember that i remember that he was like, who yeah. was that he was, was like, like the, a long time ago i can't right? remember who the actor was he it was like one of the actors from fame the movie yeah, i think originally and yeah, he had totally. like, he had like yeah. curly hair and then he mm-hmm. went bald and had to play like the the sort of asshole guy all the I time yeah yeah, you either have it's like either that or it's like you know. I mean, Larry David, mm-hmm. you know, at least gets to just be Larry David. <laughs> yeah, but there, <laughs> but there's something to. I, I I think if he didn't keep his his shaggy ring and stuff, he wouldn't have the same. Like that's a persona. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's his, it's part of his yeah, persona. That's yeah, true. yeah, you get a you see a lot of comic relief kind of you know roles for for bald people. It's, uh, you know, I'm glad that there's the, like, Statham and The Rock in a movie together, mm-hmm. you know, showing that they can kick ass and stuff. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, back in the 70s, Burt Reynolds, you know, he probably was bald and using a hairpiece. I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you look in Deliverance, he's like. Oh, yeah. He, he's bald. And then, all yeah. the, and then boom, through the technology of snapping something on your head. I automatically assume any actor that's, like, my age-ish that has like a full head of hair. I'm like, Oh, that's hair plugs. Mm-hmm. Like I just, you know, and some of them just know that they did. Cause it's like Matthew McConaughey was super balding when he in, admits in his twenties. Yeah. Least, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. That's true. That's amazing. He was like, yeah. without it. 
but you but you're right there is a sort of there is a sort of trope with that like even i i was just looking at at uh, one of our our upcoming uh reckless book and on the book cover we have like a sort of ex-biker dude with a beard who's bald yeah he's the well, bad guy actually well, i was calling through uh uh i haven't gotten to well it comes out in april the last installment of reckless right and the next uh, one yeah it's yeah Thing. Yeah. So I was I was calling through those, uh, and the only bald characters you had were the skinheads yeah, that the chase skin them head. in Friend of the Devil, I think. Yeah, Friend and, of the Devil, yeah. And then so we're in there, and then in the fade out, you've got the Eric von Stroheim like. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, you're dude. right. Yeah, yeah. Well, Hollywood. I, I will say because I think because I was married when I went officially full bald and started mm-hmm. shaving my head, I never really had to think too much about it because my wife just you know didn't care supposedly and uh, <laughs> at least she's really good at lying if yeah. she doesn't care um check her email box she's, <laughs> she's getting support but, somewhere uh, so i never had to really think about it too much and it wasn't until i moved to la to like start working in tv that i suddenly felt like conspicuously bald like i was like oh i'm bald oh, and sure. a little bit overweight oh, damn like, I just never, I became, like, super, like, conscious of what I looked like when I was in L.A. because so many people there are conscious of what they look like, I guess. Yeah. And it sort of rubs off on you if you have any kind of, you know, empathy or, or you know, if you're picking up on things. But I think I took a little refuge in, in the comedy world. Me too. Uh, yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Which which is yeah. very, we talked about this before, like, especially UCB, but there's, like, an equivalent of kind of like a like a punk bank band scene yeah where he's like, yeah if you're yeah, yeah. you're a weirdo outsider kind of come yeah, yeah we got that for sure yeah, troop. yeah yeah but it's like in the back in the 90s or 2000s on like network tv if someone smoked they were the bad guy <laughs> like, like i remember like like on 90210 someone had like a white trash boyfriend and their mom was a smoker and it was like oh, you're that's a you bad know, the mom. person yeah don't, that's don't really know. funny you don't take care of yourself yeah <laughs> now nobody now not even the bad guys are allowed to smoke on tv which is hilarious <laughs> yeah yeah totally it's funny. i know i wish yeah wait I, only in an indie movie would they do that yeah totally. They've been well, doing cable it. yeah there's still a lot cable. of smoke on cable <laughs> Or streaming, streaming, I guess. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so can we ask you some comic book world questions? Sure, absolutely. Because I am very i uh, I've only seen one comic book strip, like script. I mean, so oh. from from the so you've worked with Sean Phillips on a number of projects for years. Yeah, we've been working for twenty years. Yeah. yeah. So you, how does it work? You will write the script. Yeah. Um, and then you will just turn say like I've got this script talk to him about it and or do you guys kind of, send it to him like i so kind of well with us we've been working together for so long we started out working together when we were uh, being published by dc wildstorm mm-hmm. um and the first project we did together i don't think we even communicated over email and it was still back in the days when people would have to like xerox stuff and send it in and um so i would just get like packages in the mail that had his pages in them from our editor but then when we started uh doing our second project together it was like everything was being sent over email so we were communicating a lot more that way could i ask like like if so if you have a scene like i don't know you have a scene where like in reckless the opening thing where we sort of start at the end and work our way backwards do you give like specific descriptions of what you want to be in that frame or you just are you just sort of mapping out what the scene could be and he's choosing that almost like the camera angle of it and it's a little bit of a combination it depends on if i see if i see a scene in a specific way i'll tell him if something's supposed to be like a full tier panel like a wide shot or Mm -hmm. if it's supposed to be a close-up or what angle we're looking at or if we're in someone's point of view and looking that way. Okay. My scripts for him aren't super detailed. It's like the amount of detail that he needs and, you know, and sometimes we'll discuss like if he, if he's drawing an area he's unfamiliar with, I'll like try to find some photo reference for like, Oh, this is the kind of farmhouse I'm looking for. You know, I'll send him three or four examples to sort of make up something from. Um, That's what I did on my show. Yeah. But yeah, the scripting is, it's a little bit different than screenwriting. Like a lot of people who come from comics to screenwriting 
I feel like have an easier time than people who come from a screenwriting to comics wow. because mm-hmm. I remember talking to Patton Oswalt about this like 20 years ago when I was getting him to write some stuff for a uh, Batman annual I was doing. Right. And it was like his first time trying to write a comic, I think that was going to get published at least. And he was talking about how different it was from screenwriting because you have to isolate each moment and figure out what that, what will be in that frame. Right. Whereas I hadn't even thought about that writing and drawing comics my whole life. So you, I mean, you could write just they're walking down the street and talking as they pass a bunch of shops and then just write the dialogue and let the artist decide how to break that up right. or not. But, um, but I write panel by panel, like descriptions, but they're not always long. They're like, um, you know, sometimes a few sentences. If it's an establishing shot, I'll sort of dump, uh, you know, all the information that needs to be in the whole scene. Not like he's going to be able to fit everything into the one panel that we have. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a it's an interesting form. Like I usually will write all the dialogue or all the narrative text uh, for a scene, and then go back and write the panel descriptions for it. That makes so, sense. So I can keep in the flow while I'm writing, and then go back and figure out okay, here's how we're going to break it up. Because you are really, I mean, it's kind of amazing to me that it took Hollywood this long to realize that they had like a just a pipeline of storyboarded projects ready to yeah. go i mean it's, wow. it is just like shots are set up yeah now they all want now they all like want to be like marvel and dc too like if you sell a show to if you if you option your comic book to netflix like netflix will try to stick in the contract that they get the publishing rights too because they want to like you have to fight for it. Like, no, I actually have a contract with a publisher. <laughs> like, right. They, God. And that's what you're optioning the rights for is the thing that I publish. So they want to uh, sort of flip it. Like they would turn stranger well, things wanna, into a comic book. Like, yeah. They want to be able to, to merchandise, you know, if something becomes big, they want to be able to, you know, merchandise their IP. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. so, yeah. It's a, it's a strange thing, but yeah, it is. Uh, I think part of it though, the Hollywood stuff with them embracing comics so much really is just generational. Like Mm. I remember when I first started coming out for meetings about like movie stuff, like 20 years ago or something when I started before I remember pre nine 11, I was like working on a movie with David Goyer adapting one of my books. Um, And you would go for these general meetings with like studio execs if your agent or manager or whatever set up and the studio exec had no knowledge of comics or even why they were having this meeting with you and then be like, Oh, is this some comic book thing? And it was like completely dismissive. And it was like all their assistants <laughs> were people who were super obsessed with comics. Like you'd right. go and your assistant would be like, Hey man, can you sign this comic for me? And now it's like, I remember when I was working on Westworld, like the head of business affairs for whatever, who did all of our contracts for the writing staff, like literally like came over to the office one day with a stack of comics that he wanted me to sign. Oh man. So I was like, Oh wow. That's crazy. Like, that, that's but, like the best advice to give anyone coming to Hollywood is like, be nice to the assistants. Cause they will hire you someday. You know what I mean? Oh, the assistants run the town. It's I remember, true. Uh, yeah. One time, like a friend of ours needed an extra room for, for Sandy or needed a room for San Diego. Cause, something had gotten fucked up at their hotel mm-hmm. and i just texted damon lindelof's assistant my friend josie and she's like oh damon has like three different rooms that have been given to him for san diego so mm-hmm. they just got one of their rooms oh, <laughs> man. Like, it was like oh prepaid wow. for Holy and shit. <laughs> it was insane. like oh great um but yeah assistants run the town like be nice to the assistants for sure <laughs> yeah but also, when you get anything done you know you need to talk to the assistant to make sure that so-and-so reads your email that day Mm. <laughs> yeah i know i know and he, I, I was talking to one like this dude i knew and he was just like yeah and i laid into that assistant and i was like dude Bad what move. are you doing and, and he was just like no you gotta you gotta stake your flag man and let him know that and i was like okay shut up <laughs> oh my god you'd be better off laying into a like a vp i know i know <laughs> i didn't say anything i was like okay yeah cool yeah. you're not competition now that's cool yeah i remember when they were uh when when we accidentally got left off the guest list for the after party for the winter soldier movie the assistant at the door was like, I'm sorry, I can't let you in. And I'm like texting Sebastian Sand and Kevin Feige to try to be like, hey, can someone come out and get us? <laughs> and I'm watching this. this assistant person like 
just basically like people uh, like other assistants would walk up and be like, Hey, can I get like four name four wristbands for my friends? And mm-hmm. oh yeah. And I'm like, we created the thing and we're and it's like, okay, I'm not an, a Hollywood assistant. I was wow. like, they, they run the, they run the town. That's crazy. <laughs> they can get into so any part. <laughs> I did. This is my other sort of excited question to ask you. So this fair to say like your specialty is sort of, or one of your loves is like noir, like playing yeah, with yeah. the noir genre. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, and that's like a focus in the criminal series and Fatal and the Fade Out and Reckless is sort of yeah. like a version of that. Yeah, Fade Out is like a noir about people making a noir movie. Yeah, yeah. In the 40s. <laughs> and, then, and then I, I reread uh, Incognito last night and I was oh, yeah. reading it with that sort of like frame of mind. And there's something, is there something to, to noir that is just about the sort of, that there's a uh, uh, like a duality to to good and evil to 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 people's sort of interaction with each other in that regard because it it just sort of feels like the heroes in in a lot of your series and then just superheroes in general have this like a a fatal flaw you know they have this like they have this this internal struggle or they have this demon uh that kind of propels them well i i got into that stuff like pretty early my uncle was a was a famous uh, screenwriter in the 40s and 50s he wrote mm. uh, murder my sweet and crossfire oh, wow. and yeah yeah he, and he wrote on the beach and the wild oh, one wow. and oh my god academy awards and stuff when i met him he was writing a, a saturday morning cartoon that was a spin-off of the tv show emergency oh shit because <laughs> um, <laughs> it was the 70s and he was at the tail end of his career oh jesus so my dad like would take us to noir fest when i was a little kid and i would be like well, these movies are boring and mm-hmm. and then as i got older i started to get really into like out of the past is probably my favorite movie because out of the past i love that movie yeah the, yeah the, yeah it's like it's great for so many reasons but it's like this guy telling you the story about all the bad decisions he made. And then at the end, there's like a secret between the audience and the film. So mm. that, so that like the deaf kid lies to the woman so that she'll go on with her life. Yeah. Uh, because Mitchum's, well, I don't want to spoil Do a 80 year old. It's But yeah, I just, I sort of fell in love with that genre. And then I think, I went through like a real hipster reading phase that that point in in life when you're a teenager and you start reading yeah. the beat and Bukowski and all that shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. drinking too much, yeah. and being an asshole to everybody. <laughs> Crystal wow. mass, joining a punk band. Yeah, I mean, which is hilarious. But then I remember like uh, someone just giving me a couple of Jim Thompson novels, and I was reading them. I'm like, oh, this is kind of like Bukowski, but if there was a plot, like mm. you know, or if, if, if like something was happening, because it's all about. It's always about people making really bad decisions yeah, and trying right. to hide parts of themselves from people. And as someone who made a lot of bad decisions and saw a lot of friends make even worse decisions, you know, and get, you know, strung out in OD and stuff, like I just, I felt like that genre really spoke to me as, because it's like everybody's so complex in real mm-hmm. life. Like people, humans have so many different facets to them, but there is that sense of like, at any point in your life, you could just like meet the wrong person and just fall in love and be willing to do anything for that person or for your addiction or for, for whatever. Mm. And, and, and then you're stuck on this road, like in double indemnity, they talk about like, once you commit a crime with someone, you're stuck with them for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. You're, like, you're moving down that road together to wherever its conclusion is. And you're bound with bound with each other. And I just, I kind of love the idea of just regular people who stumble into these situations and make bad decisions. Right. Yeah. And they have, they have yeah. to, they have to live with the consequences of it uh-huh. at whatever that be, you know, and like, what would you do to avoid being charged with murder? If you help someone cover up a murder or something like, like, cause you're not going to be, cause you're going to, cause everybody inside, like, unless you're like the hardest core criminal, I think everyone inside if they committed a crime is like, well, yeah, I mean, I shoplifted, but I'm a good person. Right, right, like everybody, yeah. thinks they're, everybody thinks they're like, well, I don't need to go to prison. Like bad people need to go to prison. This isn't gonna, you just need to tell me I'm in trouble and I'll, I'll never do it again. <laughs> you know? And I feel like that's a little bit of noir. Like everybody, the desperation of it really spoke to me. Yeah. Of, yeah. You know, people. 
and I would separate out noir from like mystery stuff. Like Criminal is a noir book. Mm-hmm. Reckless is kind of like a, a hybrid of like a seventies pulp, like kind of PI thing in graphic novel form where we're following like ostensibly a good guy, but it's like a good guy who came to being a good guy after making a lot of mistakes and having having gotten caught in a bomb blast in the early seventies with like the weather underground. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, like there's a lot of complexity to those characters. I think that's why I just love that genre so yeah, much. Same. With Reckless, I was, I guess I sort of saw it in that noir vein because he has this thing that he's haunted by. Yeah. You know what I mean, exactly. like he has, and, 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 and to me that kind of like propelled a lot of his choices. Yeah. And he, and he seemed kind of like burdened, you know, that's another thing with a lot of noir stuff that they have this, this burden of a truth that no one else can know or should know yeah you know and people but it is one of the things i love about your stuff is when you when you take that and you flip it and you sort of give it you know and going back to incognito is like him being in the witness protection program as a criminal yeah you know the super criminal and then sort of stumbling into helping people only because he wanted to sort of feed this addiction he had to yeah the power like, you know it's like it's got all these feel free at all was to do the opposite thing that he used to do at least yeah. he can do something and feel like free of this trap that he put himself in with and it's a it's a crazy thing like it just made me think of you know overcoming some some struggle you have you have to go through it and, yeah. and going through it, you have no idea what the other side of it is, but you want to predict it and control what the end result is. Yeah. And his end result, you know, was very like, oh, well, I guess I'm this person now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was reckless. It was funny because I started out, I, I was about to start a project that just felt too dark. We were in the early days of the lockdown and the pandemic. And I just, I had this idea for something that I thought would be really good and I started mapping it out and I just thought, I don't want to write this. I want to write something it's fun. Too, yeah, there's too much and, depressing stuff yeah, going on for you. I, I wanted to write like a fun action hero type of guy, like our version of that. And then, of course, it ends up being really maudlin and serious at the same time <laughs> while also having like yeah, a lot yeah. of blood curdling action. But, um, but yeah, the, it was a, you know, it also like as a period piece, it's like, oh, great, I don't have to write about now. You know, right. I can write yeah. about the past and sort of talk about now at the same time. But, yeah. But I can write about the world pre-internet before we all like learned how much we hated each other. <laughs> I know, I know. It, it did make me nostalgic for just a lot of like, oh yeah, you just either got somebody on the phone or you didn't, or you drove yeah. somewhere to see someone or something. I can or... remember when I answered the phone when it rang. Yeah, now it's like... I know. And now, now you have to now ask permissions. Like, hey, can I call you? I'm going to call you. Yeah, you have to okay? text Are you people ready? before calling them to yeah. let them know. I, you, are you available for a phone call? My mm-hmm. friend of 40 years. My um, girlfriend yeah, and I got to that point. And at one point I was like, we've been going out for three years. I, we sh- <laughs> Let's just call each other. This is insane. <laughs> yeah, phone calls are, I do feel like that, that when someone leaves me a voicemail, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Are you a telemarketer? Fuck you. I used to just have my, my voicemail actually said like, you know, I never am going to listen to this. Please text me. Mm. <laughs> you know? That's really funny. If this is important, text me. And the only people who ever leave a voicemail is like, you know, some robocall. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so now I'm excitedly going to ask you about villains because you've, oh, yeah. you've developed uh, a number of different villains. And I that is like, to me, that seems like one of the most fun Ver, like aspects of generating in, in like in the superhero comic book world I mean, maybe even so yeah and sort of like you know more narrative less magical world kind of stuff but do you have like is there i don't know is is there sort of like a rule book you go by or is there just sort of like you just start with like oh man it'd be great if somebody had hammers for toes hammer toe <laughs> um for the superhero stuff like i'm trying to think of the villain I, I I couldn't use Bullseye in Daredevil when I was mm-hmm. writing Daredevil, so I created someone called Lady Bullseye, mm-hmm. um, and so of course her origin had to be tied into Bullseye uh, somehow. But so I was thinking of basically combining Lady Snowblood with with Bullseye, 
Mm-hmm. And because um, Lady Snowblood is actually a hero character. So, yeah. Again, like I always think of the villain probably thinks they're doing the right thing on some level, unless they're just a complete nihilist and want to destroy the world, which is fun in its own way, too. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I think that's like. I'm surprised I don't notice that more that they do that the the villain is someone else's hero. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, like Rasha Ghoul. And, and Batman, like his mm-hmm. goal is basically humans are destroying the planet. So he wants to wipe out 80% of humanity right. so that the earth will be able to survive. And it's like, well, that's horrific. But his ultimate thing is like, Hey, I love the earth. I don't want people to ruin it. Yeah, In a yeah. way he was like way ahead of the curve on, you know, what we've done to the planet. Um, the, so like villains, that's a rule of thumb. Villains is just extremism. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, uh, like in in Friend of the Devil, the the villain, you know, ultimately you find out his whole history where he mm-hmm. started out as like a teenage Nazi who then became an SS guy and then yeah, he like secreted himself out of the country to South America and then went to America and worked in the advertising industry and then when the '60s hit, he became like a kind of Manson-esque guru. Yeah, and then when the and then when the '70s crashed, he. In the 80s, he became like one of those like motivational speakers for, you know, the skinhead movement, like those, you know, those old men who would basically build like a little skinhead army around themselves in Orange County. Um, So I always think of like real people who are, you know, like who who is this real villain? Yeah. um, You know, so it's it's interesting, but you have to have like a good villain in your story somehow or your story just will feel flat. I feel right. like you, need, you really need to flesh out those characters and what their motivations are, even if they're sort of tragic. In the next book, the like two of the three bad guys in the next book are actually kind of tragic. But, mm, but, that's uh, cool. but they're doing bad things, but it's partly because they're strung out on drugs and homeless. And yeah. I'm ruining the book now. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's so interesting. Yeah, I think that's like, in in terms of like the superhero universe, it's kind of cool to think of just like, you know, what what aspects. I mean, there's the kind of obvious like what you know how are how are their superpowers going to sort of yeah. match up with one another. But then there's also sort of like their philosophies. You know, if, yeah, I get more into that side than the powers part of it because powers ultimately are just this side the side menu of it it's like mm-hmm. uh, you know i'm old now like my eyes just kind of roll back into my head during the big climactic fights of all these movies yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't need to see a bunch of cg exploding i was more i'm more interested in the character moments yeah um, but like with the winter soldier you know he started out as a, as a bad guy and we found out that he was you know captain america's old sidekick bucky and then mm-hmm. it's, then the story became about sort of trying to redeem him from all the evil things that he'd been forced to do. Right. And then the bad guy behind that was actually a guy who thought of himself as like a guy who's trying to save the world by sort of wrecking everything in it, like sort of tearing it all down so people could start again. So in his mind, he was like the hero because he hated the, what was going on in the sort of capitalist world where corporations just, are secretly in charge and we all we all we all point at politicians and yell at them and really all of them are just bought and paid for and just doing whatever you know whatever giant corporation gave them you know 80 million dollars to win you know is doing right now like that feel i just watched something today in interview with like a patriot you know and they were sort of and they were really talking about like they are genuinely concerned about the state of our nation yeah. They want to pre- preserve it. And my position is like, yes, we are. So we can't do what you want to do. Yeah. It's the opposite. And yeah. it, it I, and I made me think of that, that sort of like the, it's much more interesting to have a villain who has a belief system rather than someone who's crazy. Cause crazy, yeah. you're just like, okay, uh, it's not, maybe it's not even their fault. Maybe they just need medication. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like Arkham if some... Asylum, Arkham Asylum never actually heals anybody. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, worst worst place to go for treatment. Totally. Just a walking. It's just a revolving door for for the Joker and the Riddler. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Though it is like, 
you know, on all those people that feel that way right now, like they all think they're in the right. Like, yeah. But, you know, we just lost some family members to, to COVID who are, oh, sorry. you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's fucked up because they also were like, they wouldn't get vaccinated and they refused to wear masks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so they got the, the new mild COVID, which it's like, well, it's only new and mild if you're vaccinated and boosted. If right. it's, if, it, if you're not vaccinated and boosted, it's, you know, oh, you got pneumonia and then you die three days later. Well, even then, Charlie's wife, unfortunately, just lost uh, some family friends uh, to it. Uh, and they were vaxxed and boosted. Yeah. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. And so it's just it's I'm still in that place where I'm like, yeah, the messaging is it. It's all I, over the place. It's yeah. all over the place. I I will say the messaging makes me. I was like, it is. It's nice to hear that it's a little bit milder, but I, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to lean into that I, too much. I don't want to find out. I got high blood pressure because I work. Yeah. In- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know it. But when you you know when you have relatives who are like so hardcore the other way, and you know that they just watch these guys on TV or listen to these guys on the radio who are triple vaccinated but tell everybody not to wear masks and not to get vaccinated i'm just like jesus fucking christ it's all about money it's all about money and keeping people mad at each other who should all be on the same side i talked to a neighbor of mine who you know is older than me and and you know he's finally starting to come around that global warming might be a real thing Mm -hmm. you know i think the problem with dealing with these situations is it's much easier to deal with things on a local level like our brains aren't meant yeah to take in the entire world like our brains are not meant for a place like twitter or no or facebook or whatever to exist our brains are meant to be in a small community and it's mm-hmm. like when i lived i used to live in the country in mendocino and almost all my neighbors were probably hardcore right-wing people who also didn't pay taxes and grew popular right. <laughs> um, but like if the if some corporation was buying up land and sucking up all the groundwater or polluting the groundwater or whatever like every person there would have been like what the fuck yeah. you're fucking with yeah. us directly but when someone's like oh they're polluting the ocean and destroying the coral reefs that's too big for a single person to yeah. wrap their head around most of the time because you're like oh they're ruining the entire world yeah. so it's like it's so hard to talk to people about these kind of things because our brains are meant to think local and now we're thinking in terms of, oh, this person in Washington, D.C., or this person in London, or this person at the mm-hmm. World Bank. Or, yeah. We're all yeah. thinking things that don't really affect our lives, you know, on a daily basis. Whereas, like, you know, like, I live part-time in this small town in, in central northern California. And everyone here is like, you know, oh, we yeah, we don't want this or that done to this town. And it's like suddenly everybody's on the same side, no matter Mm -hmm. like what side of politics they're on. We're all like for our town. Right. And so I think it's, I think it's, you know, these corporations are making a fortune, like just making us all hate each other. Yeah, man, the, 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 how dystopian things are now is blows my mind so many times. I'm just, yeah, today I actually had a really rough morning because I first, one of the first things I read was the article about the, new omicron variant that's yeah. coming even more contagious i'm like ba2 it's never gonna end i know, <laughs> like, I like, know. I'm an n95 mask every time i go in anywhere for the rest of my life oh and my God. i'm I have never to feel, gonna you know feel like, that question for my daughter all the time it's like how much longer and i've just i i i it's such a i don't want to say I, I'm just saying, like, I, I don't know. I'm very hopeful that it will get better, but I, I don't know. And yeah, I mean. It really fucks with your. My fingers your... are crossed for humanity, but I but I feel like, you know, I feel like, you know, I talked to a guy at a party about 15 years ago. There was a, it was right after the, there was almost like a huge bird flu thing that happened. Mm-hmm. But, and that when China was just like killing tons of chickens and turkeys and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it didn't end up being like this big thing, but this guy was a virologist at at University of Washington and up in Seattle. And he was like sitting in a corner sort of doom and glooming and no one was talking to him. And I went over to talk to him. And by the time like 15 minutes passed, I was just like, I went over to my wife and I'm like, humanity is doomed. Like this guy is basically saying like, one of these is going to get out someday and we're all going to be fucked. And, And we're, and I was like, so what? Everybody gets the flu, big deal. 
and he was like, no, you don't understand. Like it, it, it will go on for years and years and years and society will unravel because mm. we will, it'll put such a strain on, you know, like all these things that we don't even think about that we rely on. That we, yeah, that that we built the structures. Like the, yeah. All these things we've built up the medical community, the, mm -hmm. you know, world shipping, like so much yeah. of our economy was Especially. set up on, you know, these sort of treadmills and, uh, you know, now you see prices going up on like, like printing prices and stuff have, have started to go up for oh, yeah. comics and, yeah. you know, luckily we bought all of our paper like last year. For, for like a couple years worth of books wow <laughs> so it's not affecting me because i was like it was already starting to get a little hard to get the paper i like so i made my publisher like advance buy a bunch of it <laughs> and even that like going back to what you say it's hard for people to wrap their head around it even that kind of like as a news story people hearing like oh i mean i guess i hear there's a boat off of uh la's port uh or you know yeah. long beach that has what i need from amazon what's the problem it's like it's not okay that's that's yeah, your that's, that's your one need right now, but in yeah. a greater sense. <laughs> or when that thing was stuck in in the uh, in the Suez Canal or whatever, right. that boat that went sideways, mm -hmm. and all these articles were about how much it was going to cost the entire world. And I just kept thinking, well, can't they just move the boat and then everything will be fine? I was like, no, it's going to cost the world billions of dollars. Yeah, it's backed up, and and you don't even think about how big those boats are and how much stuff is on them. Yeah, shift around the world, and everything is supposed to arrive at a certain time, and we just got so used to the way our world was. We that, don't have to make anything you know. for ourselves anymore. We just now it's like, and I think about my daughter. Yeah. She's just like, Hey, I need this. Click. Yeah, yeah <laughs> <No>. exactly. <laughs> so I'm uh yeah. So we're, we're building a bunker in the backyard and I'm teaching her how to hunt <laughs> and skin, you know, getting ready for things. Just make her watch yellow jacket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, this is the future. This is the future, <laughs> don't, honey. Don't sleep outside by the fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a weird time in the world. And, uh, you know, but it makes you feel less bald. That's true. <laughs> Man, that was a masterful segue. Masterful. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Um, all right. So before we let you go, I would love to do this uh, this segment called Hairless Heroes and Bald Baddies. So I would like to see just sort of like off the top of your bald head, if you could name uh, 10 bald comic book characters, villains oh. and or heroes. And we'll just see how it compares to this meager list that I've compiled. 10 bald 10 bald comic book characters. Yes. Kingpin. Yep. Professor X. Yep. Did I say Kingpin and Professor X already? Oh, man, you're stalling. <laughs> you're stalling so hard. <laughs> um, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. Is he a villain or a hero? Sort of just like in the middle, right? I mean, he's definitely yeah. a good guy. He's been peanuts. I, I think he's I mean, going to grow up and do crystal mouth. Personally. Yeah, I mean, it, it, <laughs> I mean, he grew up bald. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a difficult, strange life yeah. for him. Boy, I'm trying to blank on bald character. Oh, Bullseye. Oh, okay. Guy. Bullseye is bald, usually, and I've never seen a, a drawing of him under the mask where he wasn't bald. Got it. Um, who else? There must be. Oh, uh, well, Luke Cage, depending on who's drawing, uh, depending on what era of Luke Cage. He, he had a huge yeah. afro, but I think he's mostly drawn bald now. Yeah. Jeez, um, I, I think that's all I can think of. Okay. All right. Well, so you had two that I didn't have on the list, and oh, then okay. Kingpin. So that was Charlie Brown and Bullseye. And I was mainly going for like comic oh, yeah. booky kind of. Oh, yeah. And then um, Kingpin, Professor oh, X, Lex and Luthor, Luke Cage. Obviously. Yes. Okay, uh, under the wire, we'll get that to you. Yeah. Oh, 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 Brainiac. Oh, that's a new one. That I didn't have that one on there. Yeah, not Brainiac Five. He has hair, but Brainiac. Okay. Brainiac Five is a is a um, Legion of Superheroes character who's like a good okay. guy. Yeah. All right. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. That's good. All right. All right. Do you want to hear my? Yeah, I want to hear your list. list. Yeah. Okay. So so Luke Cage, Professor X. Krang. Also, I wanted to see if you knew who some of these. Wait, who's these, uh, Krang? I know the name. I don't know. I I didn't build a link to this Is one. Bing um, Bang Boom Bald. He's a <laughs> he's a villain. Whoever he is. I mean, technically, the thing is bald. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'll give you that one. I I don't think he has hair anywhere. Cloak. 
Do you know who Cloak and is? Dagger. Cloak and Dagger, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that he had hair, but but I read the oh. way back in the day when he was still a teenager. Well, I'm this is an exhaustive list that I got off of the internet with <laughs> like two clicks. So <laughs> Well Moon Dragon. Oh yeah, Moon Dragon, bald woman. Yeah, she was in yeah. Avengers. That's true. Yeah. I that. I should have remembered yeah. that. This guy had never heard of Spider Jerusalem. Oh yeah, Spider Jerusalem. Yeah. He he was the star of Transmetropolitan. Right. And he's wow. kind of like a drug using yeah, he, like he, he's he, a kind of a deadpooly. He was vibe. kind of like uh like a Hunter S. Thompson character. Right, right. In, like a journalist. Future. Yeah, journalist. Yeah. yeah. Uatu the Watcher. Oh yeah, the Watcher. I forgot about the Watcher. All watchers yeah. evolve. And he that's a Fantastic Four. Yeah, it's a Fantastic Four character. character. Right. He was the host um, of What If, which right. was the comic that informed uh, little kids about multiverse theory. Oh, interesting. So multiverse was... theory was not ever like strange to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, every time you make a decision, you're possibly creating an alternate universe <laughs> where you made the opposite decision. That makes total oh, sense. That totally makes <laughs> sense. So I remember think this through. Uh, Vision. Oh, yeah, Vision. I don't know Vision. if that counts, but okay. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, because... Never it'd be weird. It'd he's be weird if they gave him hair. Human. Yeah. In the movies, I think he has hair when he's not looking like the Vision, right? We have to assume if he's in a relationship with Wanda, then he's human enough to have a penis. Yeah. So, well, he's right? a synthesoid. Synthesoid. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the Vision's origin is so complicated. Yeah. <laughs> and going back, I want to hark back to what, something you said about the battles and stuff. I loved WandaVision until the very last episode that was just the big battle like the very last episode, i was just like okay now they're just gonna fight all right it, that's cool the, i wrote between marvel and dc i probably wrote about eight to eight hundred to a thousand superhero comics over the course mm-hmm. of uh, about 15 or 16 years and yeah it really did the last few years when i was writing some team books which was never my strength i i suddenly one day because I was having to write stuff out of sequence. And so there was this one week where I was writing the last part of three different stories. And I realized the end of every superhero story is everybody puts on their costumes and goes out and punches each other and the good guys. Yeah. Win. And yeah. I was like, that's just I, I, the reason Daredevil is so much fun is because Daredevil gets to lose all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he doesn't always have to win. It's more interesting when he loses and gets thrown in jail or something. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Okay. So Alpheus, the world forger. I don't even know who that is. I don't know either. I don't know. He he makes worlds. <laughs> Vulture, Spider-Man villain. Vulture, yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember that oh, one. Yeah, he was. Yeah, second issue. Yeah, Egghead, Batman's classic. Yeah, Egghead, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, Forever ruined by Vincent Price in that series. <laughs> the Martian Manhunter. Oh yeah, Martian John... Manhunter. I should have thought of that one. Uh, Bane. Oh. See, I don't, I don't think of Bane as bald because I think the first appearances of him, he had like just hair on the top only. Like, uh, oh yeah, like I guess it's sort of like sides. they're kind of basing it on the um, mask the, shape. The, the Christopher <laughs> Nolan sort of. Oh yeah, that version of it. Yeah. Uh, silver Surfer. Oh yeah, I guess. Bald. Oh, and he was bald before he got turned silver too. So oh, really, yeah. okay. Yeah, in the origin go. story, he's a bald guy too. So. Uh, Nick Fury. Mm, only in the movies. Nick only in the movies. Always had a full head of hair in the comics. Gotcha. Because okay. he has like the gray sideburns, and you know. Yeah, and this tracks with just who he, the fact that he is this Red Skull. Oh yeah, Red Skull. He can't. Yeah, he, he can't even support hair. He can't. He has he, no skin. He, he doesn't. He's not wearing a mask, depending on what version you're you're using. But usually, the Red Skull is just that's that's his skull. Yeah. So yeah. Darwin. Oh yeah, Darwin. I created him actually. The, oh seriously? Yeah, I should have thought of that. Yeah, he was a uh, he was an X Men character. He got killed off in one of the X Men movies. Yeah, which was uh, uh, the one of the Matthew Vaughn ones uh, or the Matthew Vaughn one X Men First Class or whatever. He was he was an early X Men character. I'm gonna for our listeners. Darwin is a mutant that evolves to survive anything, though it is involuntary. He left the X Factor investigations team after the battle with Hela in Las Vegas. He's trying to cope with these newly acquired, uh, acquired powers. And now he's dead. <laughs> That's funny. I should have remembered him. I didn't think he counted for some reason. I, I'm always amazed <laughs> when I find out they're still using some of these characters. 
Yeah. They killed him off in the movie. I remember thinking, man, they just killed off the black guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to track well. All right. And then we got one. Oh, Match. Do you know Match? Match is. Match is. Well, the link to Match doesn't work, so who cares? Okay. Um, match is like a, 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 something with fire. Oh, yeah. That's I'm all sure. I know. Yeah. But he's a, and he's also a good guy. Um, oh, okay. A, a hero. Oh, Dr. Manhattan. Oh, Dr. Manhattan. Very good. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, Ed, this was such a delight for me. I oh, swear. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Yeah. And I'm going to let you know that today it, uh, I'm getting Fatal series delivered to me. I just, I, I got all excited again because I realized I hadn't had that. I've got Criminal and Fade oh. Out and Incondi. So oh, I was great, like, great. I ordered it. Yeah, I ordered oh, it. Thanks. So, you know, hopefully you're getting a couple of couple of ducats oh yeah 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 so. and i have a really good publishing deal at image so yeah <laughs> yeah cool Some of the um will end up in my pocket <laughs> uh is there anything you want to let our listeners know where they can find you or something you want to sort of promote uh well i have the next reckless book comes out in uh mid-april which is called mm. the ghost in you it takes yeah. place in uh, 1989 um, and we are literally just sending that to the printer right now. Um, oh, wow. all the reckless books have been a big hit for us. It's just, we, Sean Phillips and I have been working together for 20 years. And during the pandemic, we decided to just switch to doing original hardback graphic novels and cool. single issue comics because the market had shut down and we didn't know if we would be able to keep mm. doing uh, single issue comics. And so, and we'd always wanted to do graphic novels, but I don't know if we ever would have, if not for you know having the market shut down so we just decided fuck it let's just do it cool they've been a huge hit for us and uh so any of those books they're all standalone like uh mystery uh things about the 70s and the 80s and Mm -hmm. kind of my tribute to the the book covers that i loved growing up of the books my dad wouldn't let me read (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and and a, and a tribute to the old la that i remember coming up to visit from san diego all the time uh where la just seemed so much cooler and more fucked up in some ways yeah so um you know delving into a lot of like la history for things the next book i i sort of made a blend of uh two or three different la murder houses and put them into oh, wow. place so yeah I, oh, lo- wow. I love all that that kind of weird cult history of la so Oh, uh, that's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm writing the Batman cartoon for Bruce Tim right now, mm-hmm. uh, which will be out probably next year. I'm guessing at this point. Which platform will that be on? Uh, HBO Max, and supposedly it may air on Cartoon Network at some point, but it'll be on HBO Max first. I know. Yeah. So cool. it's uh, it's a little bit it's it's uh, we're calling it co-viewing, so it's like adults and kids will be able to watch it together and both enjoy it. So it's a little darker mm. than what they used to do in the old days. It's when I, right. when I first was on it, they were telling me it was going to be PG 13, but basically it'll be about the level of something like the Mandalorian or the Marvel movies or something like, okay. you know, no, no blood, but a lot of, you know, intense character stuff. And yeah, it's, it's been my most fun job in TV so far. Cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Oh, thanks. Uh- yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining. Uh, Charlie, you're not here. So on your behalf, I'll just say stay bald, everybody. Bye. <laughs> stay bald. <laughs> oh, bald talk. Talking bald, yeah. Life is unfair when you lose all your hair. But now you've got someone to talk to. Brian and Charlie have a hairless party. 